The election of Donald Trump as U.S. president means the future of the Affordable Care Act is now in doubt. Trump and other Republicans aim to repeal the law, but what they'll replace it with and what it will mean for the millions of people who've gained insurance under the ACA are far less clear. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Jonathan Oberlander, a professor of social medicine and health policy and management at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Professor Oberlander has written a perspective article about health care reform under a Trump administration. Professor Oberlander, since your perspective article was published online, Trump has announced the nominations of Tom Price as Secretary of Health and Human Services and Seema Verma as Administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Do these nominations provide any clues about what the president-elect sees as changes in health policy? I think those nominations do. I think the nomination of Tom Price means that the Trump administration is extraordinarily serious about repealing Obamacare. Dr. Price has been a staunch critic of the law, has offered his own replacement plan, and his nomination certainly is one of many signals that the administration is poised to overturn the Affordable Care Act. In terms of CMS, I think that nomination probably can be read as evidence that the Trump administration will be quite flexible in encouraging state waivers and particularly in accommodating conservative governors' requests to do things in Medicaid, such as charging premiums, work requirements, and so forth, that the Obama administration, although it itself was quite flexible, was reluctant to embrace those changes. I think the Trump administration will give more of a green light to states. Looking at the ACA, you write in the article that even before Congress votes on repealing the act, there's a lot that the Trump administration could do to undercut it. For example, it could stop reimbursing insurers for cost-sharing reductions. Which of those moves, if any, do you think Trump will aim to do in the first few days in office? We don't know. Symbolically, there's no question that Republicans want to repeal Obamacare. It is a literally a repudiation of the Obama administration's namesake, getting rid of the law right off the bat. What they'll do right away, I think we don't know yet. There's a conundrum for them, which is that if they rock the boat too much, a lot of people who have coverage, millions of people who have coverage could fall out. And they don't want to unsettle the insurance markets too much if they can avoid it. And so they've been talking with the insurance industry about steps they can take. Probably the most important thing they can do is actually nothing. Before this election, it was clear that there were major issues in many states with the Affordable Care Act's health insurance exchanges. Insurers pulling out in many states, high premium increases, and steps really needed to be taken to stabilize those exchanges. And simply by not taking those steps, it will ensure that exchanges continue to have an unstable existence going forward. So I think that's one thing you can count on. The cost-sharing reductions, I think, is a really big question and a good question about what they're going to do. And I don't think we have a clear answer right now. If they were to simply remove those cost-sharing reductions and let stand the court ruling that has thrown them out, it would really induce a lot of instability and chaos in the individual insurance market. And I'm not sure they're going to want to do that right away. So there's been some suggestion that Republicans might vote to repeal the act early in 2017, but give themselves a few years to come up with a replacement. If that's what happens, what would occur in the interim before the repeal became fully effective? 
It's a great question, and the answer is we don't know. I call the strategy repeal, delay, and pray, because in the interim, you would have to pray that you somehow got agreement on a replacement bill or a package of replacement bills. And the problem with that strategy is why would insurers want to stay in the insurance exchanges if they know the plug is going to be pulled on them? And so it would put healthcare reform into a world of purgatory where we would know that the Affordable Care Act and major provisions in the Affordable Care Act were going to be repealed and would end at a date certain. We would not know what would replace it. And the question of what happens in that intermediate period is really important because if insurers aren't convinced that there are enough safeguards, they're likely to get out of the insurance exchanges. And many people are likely to lose coverage There have been reports that the Trump administration and Republicans are negotiating with insurers trying to find some intermediate steps that might soothe their concerns, particularly because one very realistic possibility is that they will act to repeal the subsidies in law and the insurance exchanges, but the regulations that insurers have to take all comers regardless of health status and can't charge them more will stay in place. And from the insurance industry's perspective, that's a disaster. So I don't think under this repeal and delay strategy, we don't have a clear conception of what would happen in however long that intervening period is. So as you say, the insurance companies would certainly not like it, but Trump suggested during the campaign that it would be possible to remove major portions of the law, but to keep some of the provisions that are attractive to Americans, banning discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions, allowing young adults to stay on their parents' policies. So is it possible to retain those things? but repeal vast parts of the law? So the idea that you can sort of pick and choose the popular parts of the law to keep, and we should not forget that although the law as a whole has never been terribly popular, many provisions in the law are actually quite popular. If you take the one that allows young adults to stay on their parents' plans, I think you could keep that without too much trouble. The pre-existing conditions is the big one, and President-elect Trump has talked about this. And the, the problem with that is, it's really impossible to keep pre-existing protections in place without some sort of requirement or very strong incentive for healthy individuals to buy coverage. Otherwise, what happens is you get disproportionately sick folks buying coverage, and it destabilizes the market. And there are different types of pre-existing condition protections. One is that insurers are not allowed under the Affordable Care Act to deny people of pre-existing conditions, to deny them access to insurance. Another one is they're not allowed to charge them higher premiums. So there are different parts of this package. Whatever Republicans do, if they want to keep those protections on pre-existing conditions, they have to find a substitute for the individual mandate, which they want to overturn and which is very likely to be repealed. And the question is, what do you replace it with? One possibility is something called continuous coverage. And that reform has been part of several Republican replacement plans, including the one proposed by Speaker Ryan recently. And it comes in different forms, but essentially what it would say is as long as people maintain continuous coverage, then they get pre-existing condition protections. But if there's a break in their coverage, then they're liable, depending on the plan, to be charged much more by insurers. And the issue with that is, in a sense, it's almost more punitive than the current individual mandate under the Affordable Care Act, because if you found the subsidies that were provided under a new replacement plan for the ACA to be inadequate, and if you skipped coverage for a few months, a year, because it wasn't affordable, and then you try to go back in with a pre-existing condition, 
you would lose those protections. So I think we're going to see a lot of discussion about this continuous coverage provision. But whatever that discussion is, there's no question that if you want to keep pre-existing condition protections and those protections are meaningful, you have to have a substitute for the individual mandate. So you've said more than once, we don't know in answer to questions. Given that Trump's reform vision remains largely unknown, how are insurers, healthcare industry providers dealing with that uncertainty? What do things look like day to day at the moment? I think it's a very difficult time for them. It depends which branch of the industry we're talking about, but there's huge uncertainty for the insurance industry. There's no question about that because this affects them centrally, and there are certainly parts of the Affordable Care Act that segments of the insurance industry never liked and will be happy to see gone or weakened, including regulation governing how much premiums can vary between younger and older Americans. So they'll be happy with that, but a lot of people have bought coverage under these ACA plans and for the insurers who are heavily in those markets. There's a tremendous amount of uncertainty and I would think worry, particularly if we get, as it looks like we will, a repeal vote and then a delay before we know what the replacement is. I think it's very hard for insurers to deal with that prospect. I think from a hospital perspective, the situation is also very difficult. A lot of hospitals have had a reduction in uncompensated care, particularly in the states that have expanded Medicaid. And now that Medicaid expansion could well be repealed as well. So a lot of uncertainty for them. And certainly from the physician perspective, many uh, physicians have seen and are seeing patients who are covered either under the Medicaid expansion or bought policies individually in their state and other health insurance exchanges. And some of those patients could lose that insurance, could lose those protections. So I think it's a very difficult time. We heard, ironically, back in 2009 and 10, there was a lot of talk about how the Affordable Care Act created uncertainty for the business community. That uncertainty is really nothing compared with this. We know we're leaving one era. The Affordable Care Act, as we know it, is over, but we don't know what world we're going into. So given the variation in various visions within the GOP and potential political firestorm that you talked about that could happen if insurance is actually taken away from people who've been benefiting from the ACA, what prediction do you make about what compromise is going to be arrived at? What's the replacement going to look like? Who's going to be involved in making these decisions? Well, one question is, can they get any Democratic support in the Senate? Of course, they only have 52 seats right now in the Senate. You need 60 to overcome a filibuster. And while they can do a lot of this through reconciliation, which requires a simple majority, you can't do it all through reconciliation. And uh, Republicans have said their plan is to repeal the law and then to appeal the Democrats to come on board. And I think we just don't know if that's really a viable strategy or not. Once they repeal it, Republicans will own this problem. And I'm not sure how much Democratic senators are going to want to help them. What they're betting is that there are enough Democratic senators and Republican-leaning states up for re-election in 2018 that they can get some of them on board. One thing that's come out in the last few weeks is what we may be looking at is not a large-scale replace bill, but a series of smaller replace bills. So they sort of take a bite size each time. But I think it's very hard to envision right now exactly what the compromise is going to look like. There are Republican replacement plans out there, such as the one the House leadership and Speaker Ryan had proposed last summer. But there are many questions about them, including how are you going to pay for this? If you repeal the Affordable Care Act's financing provisions, 
And let's remember that it is financed largely by two sources, projected reductions in Medicare spending over time and increased taxes for higher income Americans. If you get rid of either one of those funding sources, and certainly the higher taxes on wealthier Americans is something Republicans are likely to repeal, then the question is, how do you pay for it? If you want to go ahead and have coverage, anything remotely approaching what the Affordable Care Act does, you've got to have the funding for it unless you're just going to add it to the deficit. And I don't know that we've seen yet a viable funding plan. Another question is what happens to the Medicaid expansion? There are, of course, Republican-led states that have expanded Medicaid. I think it's going to be very hard to take the money away from those states, to take the coverage away from those states. So you may see a compromise there that enables states that have already expanded Medicaid to keep those Medicaid expansions. But whenever you look at the Affordable Care Act, it's clear what Republicans want to get rid of. Not so clear what the compromises will be on what they keep. Probably some kind of tax credit system but it's probably going to be less generous than what the Affordable Care Act has, which means you end up covering fewer people, certainly fewer mandates, less regulation, which we've already talked about. The reason I haven't made a lot of predictions on this is I think the clouds are very hazy, and I think it's a very, very volatile situation. Thank you, Professor Oberlander.